sudden death is happening, mass death all over the world for many different reasons. The karma of every soul is hitting the fan. And so, because we never know when our number is called, it is urgent to be in that state of jivan mukti as soon as possible so that consciousness is free of karma and free of any attachments that would bring one back into the womb of another mother just before the end. It's wise to not have to return into the human world as its ending, but to abide in the light, in that state of victorious transcendence over the illusion. But to achieve that, there must be a very powerful practice that can withstand the shocks that may occur to the body and to the mind during that process of the body's dying and any of the attendant circumstances that surround such an event and whatever happens in the environment that can cause shock and grief if one witnesses the death of others to whom one had attachments. And so it is of extreme importance to realize the one self, the deathless and birthless self, in order to be free of any such reactivity and not to be brought down into a lower state of consciousness as a result of such karmic events. So, for that reason, as I said last night, we would return to the basics of uh, the teachings of Sri Ramana. And I thought I picked out a few at semi-randomly, but not entirely, uh, quotes from uh, talks, which is uh, uh, a book uh, that was written by a kind of a secretary at the ashram of Ramana uh, during the period of the mid-30s. And uh, probably many of you have read the book already. Uh, but I thought for those who haven't especially, but even if you have, it's always good to return to these fundamental um, aspects of reality that Ramana expresses so clearly and concisely. So I'll start with this one. It's a 
conversation he's having with uh, Mr. Evans Wentz, who's a famous writer uh, on Tibetan Buddhism, who asks, is work an obstruction to self-realization? By the way, this happens January 24th, 1935, if anyone wants to look it up. I think the pages are different in the most recent uh, editions. Is work an obstruction to self-realization? <clears throat> and Ramana says, no. For a realized being, the self alone is the reality. And actions are only phenomenal, not affecting his, the self. Even when uh, he acts, he has no sense of being an agent. This is extremely important. His actions are only involuntary, meaning spontaneous, without intention, and he remains a witness to them without any attachment. Okay, this is the meaning of karma yoga. No attachment, no sense of doership, and uh, no intention. So he goes on, there is no aim for such action. Even one who is still practicing the path of jnana can practice while engaged in work. It may be difficult in the earlier stages for a beginner, but after some practice, it will soon be effective and the work will not be found a hindrance to meditation. This is extremely important now because our workload will actually increase as we reach the period of the end and have to plug holes in Noah's Ark uh, to keep it seaworthy. And we will have to be in a state of meditation while the body is functioning. And uh, only if we have practiced this to such an extent that it's second nature, in fact, first nature, having that we have returned to, will we not be disturbed by the bodily activity? But this, without having achieved this capacity, then uh, the ability to go into a deep state while we're sitting in, in meditation will not be of any use uh, when we're on the battlefield. And so this practice is essential. <clears throat> okay, and then uh, I'm going to skip to a conversation well, in the middle of a long conversation. Let's see, where does this one begin? This is on 4th February 1935. As pro and this is Ramana speaking. As propounded by all, in other words, all the sages of all the traditions, and realized by all true seekers, fixity in the Supreme Spirit, Brahmanishta is the word that he used, meaning Brahman, right? Fixity, in other words, being absolutely. Uh, fixed in that state without any uh, movement away from it. 
in fixity in the Supreme Spirit alone can make us know and realize the Spirit. So if we move in and out of it, you, you do not have realization of it. You can have glimpses of it, but that will not bring liberation. It being of us and in us, any amount of discrimination, vivetchana, can lead us only one step forward by making us renouncers, by goading us to discard the seeming world as transitory and to hold fast to the eternal truth and presence alone. So our understanding of it intellectually is useful only up to a point, and then that must be dropped as well because that will get in the way because any intellectual comprehension brings you into a state of duality because then it is as if you are not Brahman and you're looking at Brahman, but Brahman is everything. And so it's a delusion to think you can ever be aware of Brahman as an object. So it's only by letting go of the mind in the sense of symbolic thought that one can realize the self. The conversation turned upon the question as to whether Ishvara Prasad, divine grace, is necessary for the attaining of Samrajya, that means the, uh, the, the, the kingdom of God, really, uh, or whether a jiva's honest and strenuous efforts to attain it cannot of themselves lead him to that from whence there is no return to life and death. And uh, Ramana says with an ineffable smile which lit up his face, which was all pervasive, shining upon the coterie around him, he replied in, terms, in tones of certainty and with the ring of truth, divine grace is essential for realization. It leads one to God realization, but such grace is vouchsafed only to him who is a true devotee or a yogi. In other words, a, 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 a bhakta or a jnani who has striven hard and ceaselessly on the path toward freedom. So in other words, we have to earn our grace. It doesn't come uh, gratuitously. It comes as a result of our effort. Our effort doesn't cause it, but God's mercy on one who has shown that level of strenuous effort and sincerity and yearning, uh, the grace will be granted. But it has to come as grace because if it came as a result of the ego, you wouldn't let go of the ego it would just make the ego more uh, megalomaniacal, thinking I have achieved God, you know, would or whatever. So it is that final surrender of the sense of doership that is the grace that brings liberation. Okay, that's enough from that conversation.
Okay, this one on 6th July, 1935. A question is asked, how is dhyana, dhyana med means meditation, how is it practiced, with eyes open or closed? You know, in the ashram I was in in India, they didn't allow you to close your eyes when you meditate. You had to keep them open. Here we keep them closed because I think people in the West are more um, uh, scattered and more uh, open to distraction. Uh, but it's very important to be able to meditate equally with eyes open as well as closed and, uh, and to be able to function uh, without limitation. But in any, in any case, Ramana answers like this. It may be done either way. The point is that the mind must be introverted and kept active in its pursuit. In other words, the pursuit of the realization of the source of the I amness or of attention itself. So activity, the mind doesn't become passive. If the mind ever becomes passive, you'll fall asleep or you'll get distracted. So sometimes it happens that when the eyes are closed, the latent thoughts rush forth with great vigor. In other words, with your eyes closed, the danger is you're gonna start having fantasies and memories and reveries and get lost in that. Uh, so if that's happening, open your eyes and stare at a candle or, uh, or, or just uh, uh, return to Atma Vichara. Uh, it may also be difficult, however, to introvert the mind with eyes open. It requires strength of mind to do so because the mind is contaminated when it takes in an object. It becomes identified with it, it and it becomes uh, interested in the object rather than in its own awareness. Otherwise, the consciousness remains pure. The main factor in dhyana is to keep the mind active, but in its own pursuit of the self without taking in any external impressions or thinking of anything else. Okay, so I think that's a very good uh, uh, definition and explanation of dhyana. It goes on and, and, uh, and, and deals with spurana and other topics, but I think for tonight we'll leave it at that. And now let's go into the, uh, the topic of death, since that's how we started this evening. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Teachings with Shunyamurti, recorded live at the Sat Yoga Ashram in Costa Rica. To join us for a life-changing meditation retreat, or to make a donation to support this transformational work, please visit our website, www.satyoga.org. To access more teachings or guided meditations from Shunyamurti, please visit the members section of our website or our YouTube channel, Sat Yoga Institute. Namaste.